This episode is brought to you by Rev1. Rev1's mission is to help entrepreneurs build great companies. As you navigate the waters of business entrepreneurship, you don't have to go it alone. A strategic partnership with Rev1 connects innovators to the talent, customers, space, and funding you need when you need it. Get started with Rev1 Startup Studio by visiting rev1ventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is rev1ventures.com. Six One Four Startups Nation, welcome to another episode of the Six One Four Startups Podcast, Columbus's number one business podcast. No scientific proof behind that. I'm just claiming it. Okay, this is where the founders and investors and ecosystem influencers shaping our startup community come to tell their story. And today, I have a very special guest, Mr. Ira Sharfin, founder, maybe no CEO, current owner of Continental Office. All right, what? Welcome, Ira. Thank you. I appreciate uh, being here. Um, I wish I was the founder. We're 84 years old this year, the company. So uh, I'm not quite that old. Yeah, you've been hiding the fountain of youth from us, man. We, we <laughs> you know, know you got the secret. We know you got the secret. All right. Well, um, part of this is just about getting to know you. I uh, don't want to take for granted. I mean, you're a name around town. Uh, Continental, Continental Office is certainly a well-known brand. Uh, but let's start with a bit about your personal and how you came to live in Columbus, Ohio. Sure. Um, happy to. So I was actually born in Brooklyn, New York. Both my parents born and raised in New York and only lived there for a few months. My my dad was in construction and was sent to Columbus to actually work on the first, uh, the downtown post office and decided to move our family here. And I think the story goes that my mom said, what's Columbus, Ohio? And you know, when you're from New York, you have a different view of the of the country and the world. And so, yeah, I was a few months old, grew up here. I like to joke with people when they give me a hard time that uh, they shouldn't mess with me because I'm from Brooklyn, but uh, I was in diapers when I moved here. And yeah, grew up, um, lived in the city, grew up in a neighborhood called Berwick and it was great. I loved it. Uh, I, I would I would be raised there again if I could, um, taught me a lot. Um, I think it gave me a lot of grounding for what I faced later on in life. And then I wanted to go away for college. So I went to University of Michigan. So you know, I'm sure there'll be some booze when I say that, but just wanted to get away. And uh, it's a great experience, studied engineering. And then I kind of went off into my my business career. Yeah. Um, so Brooklyn, are you a hip hop fan by any chance? You know, I, I, I dabble a little bit. You know, I, I like I certainly like Drake. Um, uh, my wife's Canadian, so, you know, okay. Drake's Canadian. Okay. So there, there's there's a plus there. But yeah. All right. So this is a little bit of uh, Ira trivia on the hip hop side. Who is your favorite Brooklyn rapper if you have one? Oh, my gosh. Um isn't Jay Z? Isn't Jay Z from uh, Brooklyn? Yeah. So I gotta go. I gotta go. Jay Z. Wow, that's a that's an easy pick for number yeah. one. Yeah, Jay Z is an easy number one pick. Okay, and also, um, uh, I don't think it's just a New York thing, man. And and I'm an immigrant, so this is doubly funny, right? So I'm originally from Liberia, <laughs> West Africa, but the first state I immigrated to 
was New Jersey, lived there for like two or three years. No, well, four, more like uh, three years. Uh, yeah. And then my dad, same thing. I want to move to Ohio for work. And the kid from Liberia, West Africa, post-Civil War conflict, right, already picked up that East Coast attitude. And I was right. like, what the hell is in Ohio? Okay. <laughs> so I share a similar story uh, to, to, you know, kind of how I felt about moving to Ohio, especially Columbus, at least initially. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, I think we're still kind of a, a well-kept secret here, you know. I agree totally with you. I am completely converted at this point. I wouldn't necessarily want to live anywhere else uh, because I just feel like Columbus has so much upside. All right. Now, you said begin your business career. Uh, I'm guessing that you didn't immediately, right, when you began that career, start off as the CEO of Continental Office. So uh, what inspired you to eventually become an entrepreneur? And what were some of those early business entrepreneurial lessons that led you to where you are today? Yeah, that's um, it's a lot to unpack there for me. So my grandfather, um, who also lived in New York um, almost all of his life, he um, only went to school through sixth grade. And, you know, times were, times were different back then. And he ended up starting his own company. And he actually... Um, imported products from China. Um, it's kind of interesting. He, he was actually going to traveling to China before Nixon went to China. So um, there's probably something illegal there. But uh, and then my my dad started his own construction company. And, you know, I saw him work hard. But, you know, what he taught me was uh, there's nothing like being your own boss. And so I I don't know, probably starting age eight or nine, I, I would cut grass. I I would paint around the neighborhood um, when Ferbs used to have the the house numbers on them, you know, the the white background with the black uh, numbers. I used to do that. Um, stencils were pretty cheap. Paint was pretty cheap. I shoveled snow. And then uh, my sister always likes to bring up this story. I, I used to buy candy bars. I'm kind of dating myself. They were like 10 cents at, at the local drugstore. And then I'd sell them for anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar in the neighborhood because, you know, people would have to get their mom or dad to drive them or get on their bike. And so I just, you know, supply and demand. So, you know, I just, I liked making money. I liked doing different things. And um, that kind of, I think, looking back, really started my entrepreneurial itch. And when I got out of college, I, I didn't have a lot of job offers because I, probably drank too much beer and played too many, you know, sports after classes. And, you know, I, I got through it, but, you know, I wasn't top of the class. And so I, I had to find my own job and ended up in Chicago and um, was a design engineer, which is not what I set out to do. And so it kind of helped push me into more of the entrepreneurial space and got into consulting, which was going to be a transition. Sorry, I'm kind of weaving a whole story here. Uh, and uh, back, Cooper's and Libran was where I, I kind of got my my started after that short stint as an engineer, and I loved it. I I was fortunate to make partner there. Then we merged with Price Waterhouse and became what's known as PwC, and traveled the world. And it was very entrepreneurial, even though I worked for a large company because I I got to work with CEOs and boards of directors and learn different industries and 
um, build my own teams. And um, in 2002, IBM, this is in the wake of Enron and the whole Sarbanes-Oxley, where consultants and accountants couldn't really coexist so easily. And so we sold ourselves to IBM. And I became an IBM executive and got to work closely with Ginny Rometty, who was running the, the services business and ended up being the chairwoman of IBM. She retired about a year or so ago and you know, learned a lot from her. And so again, it was all part of the journey. And so it wasn't really until it was in 2005 that I bought Continental Office um, or bought the majority. And then I, I, I bought the balance of it. Um, you know, years after that, but I was 39 years old when I did that, but I kind of felt that everything was leading me towards that stage to own a company. And I I was going to start a company if I didn't buy a company and just, you know, things happen for a reason. And it fell into place. I knew one of the owners really well. He was a family friend, a mentor of mine, longtime mentor, still is a mentor and close. And um, you know, I should have mentioned also most of my consulting career, I was in Chicago. So um, when I ended up back in Columbus in 2004, that's when I started thinking about making a change. And then in 05, I, I made the move to Continental. I know grandpa's voice was always in the back of the head. Yeah. Yeah. You're a highfalutin consultant and I only graduated sixth grade, but listen, it's never going to be as good as being your own boss, right? Was that a little bit of the impetus to kind of eventually, no matter how high you climbed to always have that in the back of your mind that you were going to one day own or lead your own company? I think it was, you know, I I've always loved leading teams and building businesses and, you know, my area that I really focused on in consulting was mergers and acquisitions. So, you know, I was a deal guy. And so Continental Office was more than a deal because it, you know, it's, it became my, my second big chapter in terms of my, and, and, you know, maybe my last in terms of my work career, but I think it was my grandfather and, and my dad as well, um, who really instilled that and taught me that, um, First of all, it's not easy, right? Because you're betting on yourself. People depend on you, but um, it, it you know worked for them, and I figured that that's kind of my path. Just took yeah. me a little longer. <laughs> As a fellow heavy beer drinker in college, that uh, lucky to be here attitude has served me very well. It's the same thing with building six one four startups. Like, when is somebody going to find out that I'm just a guy who drank a lot of beer in college? But I think it's it's part of kind of the immigrant spirit, right? The kind of, hey, you know, America has a lot of things to work on, but it's just good to be here. At least we're in a, a place with a lot of opportunity. It's the same thing with a guy who right. maybe didn't graduate top of the class. Any job opportunity you get, you're like, ah, thankful to be here. I'm going to work my butt off and see how far I can get myself. But when I hear continental office, I hear office furniture. But I know you guys are more than that, right? So what is the modern day Continental office, who do you serve? What problems do you solve and how do you solve them? Yeah. So we true. We are we are known mostly for being that big office furniture dealer in Columbus, Ohio. Um, we are one of Miller Knoll's largest dealers in North America. And that Miller Knoll was a uh, formed from Herman Miller acquiring Knoll, who was a competitor. That was a couple of years ago and, and actually has worked out very well. 
and Miller Knoll is um, not even arguably, I mean, they are the, the greatest design manufacturer in terms of commercial furniture, office furniture. Um, there's other great companies, but they're, they're the most design oriented and have such a rich history with uh, Ray and Charles Ames and Florence Knoll, who started Knoll. And so when I bought the company, it was primarily office furniture. And that piece of has actually grown, you know, it's gotten larger, but we're also the largest commercial flooring contractor in, in Ohio. Um, we are, um, it, we provide interior construction solutions. People would know them as modular walls, but um, prefab construction has become um, very popular, just given supply chain issues, cost of labor, scarcity of of labor. And we also have a branding division as well. So um, kind of like a small branding agency within Continental Office. The last piece, which is really um, wrapped through uh, the furniture and flooring is we've got a, a pretty large services business so we can help companies maintain, whether it's fixing, whether it's cleaning, whether it's um, reconfiguring, we store product, we provide project management services on site um, to help our clients with you know different projects. We buy back, use furniture, we do brokerage. So it's really, it's been opportunistic, but it's afforded us to grow. And um, I think we're just, I think we're a little more interesting and certainly um, more relevant to our clients given the diversity that we have, not just with our divisions, but with our, you know, associates as well. Yeah. And, and that's very interesting. And that was one of the reasons why I was very excited to have you on the show. I mean, kind of, we really started talking during the pandemic when the idea of the office was being rethought, uh, there were a lot of people and there were probably some hyperbole there thinking that the office is over, right? And now you're start starting to see the office is maybe returning, whether <laughs> kicking and screaming or mandated or whatever the case is. But we'll get into that after our break. But I don't want to gloss over the fact that you were in corporate America and then you made the transition to being a full-time entrepreneur. There are a lot of people who listen to the show who might be thinking about doing just that. And you were able to put yourself in such a position that you could actually buy a company. Looking back, what were some of the things that helped you prepare to make that leap that you would say, hey man, if you really truly want to do this, these are some of the things that I did or maybe some of the things that I could have done differently to get me there quicker or position me a little bit better once I made the leap. Yeah, that's... uh I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. So that's a great question. Thank you. I think knowing your, what you're capable of, not that, you know, we all have limits, I guess, but, you know, I mean, we're, we can achieve more than what we think we can, but you know, knowing what you're good at. And, you know, I've always been um, pretty strong with business strategy and visioning and building teams and relationships and, finding business, but I'm not the best at the block and tackling and the process and the technology. So, you know, one of the things I knew is that I would need to bring in um, a lot of new talent and it wasn't to run a lot of people out of Continental. I mean, we still have a lot of people that are, that are there, but uh, someone that had worked with me in consulting um, from Cooper's and Library to PwC to IBM, um, 
his name's Kyle Johnson. And um, after my non-solicitation um, expired with IBM, he, he was my first key hire. And you know, I hired him. He eventually became our president and COO, which is now. And you know, I couldn't have done it without Kyle and with, without a lot of others because, you know, everybody's got their strengths and everybody's got, I don't really like use the word weaknesses, but everybody's got, you know, some blind spots or areas that they're not as strong. And so I think one is just knowing what you're good at. And does that line up with um, what you want to do? And I think it's just being curious. I always was a, was a, a pretty, um, uh, voracious reader. And that really didn't, trust me, it didn't start in college. <laughs> um, as I, as I said earlier, it really started when I was traveling globally, you know, I would, I could read two, three books a week. And so I started reading just lots of different things, biographies, autobiographies, history, business books. And I just picked up a lot and I think just taught me to be curious. And, um, I think I also did a pretty good job of just building a network of mentors and people that I could go to for advice, which I did. I, I actually, I got more advice from, from clients and former clients than people within my company when I was deciding to leave consulting. And so just forming those relationships and, and having people that you can bounce ideas off of. So, and then frankly, at the end of the day, I took out a sheet of paper and I put a, a line down the middle and I put a plus on one column and a minus on the other. And it was, here's all the the positives for buying Continental Office or, you know, generically buying this company. And then here's all the the things that, that you know, could be negative or could go wrong. And the, the pluses were far outweighed the, the negative. And I've just never really been afraid of, you know, what if doesn't go well? What if you go out of business? What if you lose money? I mean, um, I, I just never really had that fear. And, and, and that's um, something I am becoming more acquainted with, that feeling that money isn't it, right? Meaning it, it, it's there. And in some cases, it is actually the obstacle but everything you mentioned here, I was waiting for you to get to capital. Oh, I saved a lot of money. But what you focused on were the skills that you picked up and the fact that you picked up skills from exper experiential skills, the doing, but then also the reading and then relationships, right? So skills, reading, relationships were the key to you making those transitions. All right, folks, you are listening to my conversation with Ira Sharfin of Continental Office. When we get back, we're going to talk about the future of work, which I know you guys are going to lean in for. We'll be right back after these messages. Support for the 614 Startups podcast comes from Nationwide. Nationwide's mission is to protect people, businesses, and futures with extraordinary care. To help fulfill that mission, Nationwide is looking to invest its $350 million venture capital investment fund in InsureTechs that will help them create new and exciting products and solutions to meet the needs of their customers. If you're interested in partnering with Nationwide's venture capital team, visit nationwideventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is nationwideventures.com. Nationwide is on your side. 
Today's episode is sponsored by the City of Dublin's Division of Economic Development. The City of Dublin provides world-class, tailored business services and resources to ensure the best possible environment for businesses to recruit talent and thrive. Because of this strategic focus and commitment to employer growth, Dublin is the only accredited economic development organization in the state of Ohio. The City of Dublin supports startups and entrepreneurs by offering targeted resources and training programs to grow companies that are financially sustainable, innovative, and committed to creating jobs. Learn how other businesses depend on Dublin. Visit thriveindublinohio.com. 614 Startups Nation, thank you so much for hanging in there with us. I knew you would be back. You want to know about the future of work. So Ira, you are the expert here. That's why you are in the hot seat today. Let's talk about the world of work as you experienced it as the owner of Continental Office before the pandemic, how you experienced it during the pandemic. And then now that we've turned the corner, feels very much like this is in the rear view, the future of work going forward as you see it. Yeah, that's, um, boy, I don't know about expert. That's kind of a setup, but so. I'm trying to get you the big bucks, Ira. Yeah, I appreciate it. (laughs) Back to the capital. So before the pandemic, things were already starting to shift, Um, you know, and and a lot of it's emotion, right? It's like in business where people want to centralize and they decentralize. And um, there had been, a big shift to open plan work environments. And, you know, people would ask me, hey, are you really pushing open plan? I'm like, I was never pushing open plan. We always thought that there should be variety in work. And so we always thought you need private spaces, you need open spaces. And so the pandemic hit. So we had this shift where things were kind of smaller offices, more open plan, pandemic hits. Everybody gets sent home for what we thought were maybe a few weeks. You know, I remember the day, I think it was March 13th. And um, it turned out to be like a year and a half, you know, maybe even two years. And so everybody was forced. They weren't, they weren't asked. They, they didn't, you know, choose this. They were forced to work at home. And we were an essential business, so our operations never stopped. We still had people you know, taking care of clients, especially our healthcare clients. But we all figured out how to use Zoom and Teams and and all these other um, tools, technology. And for the most part, it worked. But what happened was there was a lot of mental health issues, right, that we learned about later on. And um, I've read a lot about this, and it was really more of the younger workers. And if you think about it, it makes sense because you know, if you're in your 20s, you couldn't go to bars, you couldn't go to restaurants, um, dating was put on hold. You might be living in a studio or one bedroom. You probably didn't have kids, so it was lonely. And so we felt that with our, with our younger associates, you know, older workers like me, you know, we had, we had a wife, I had all my kids, you know, house, all those things. But it was really tough. And so then we said, okay, pandemic's over. Everybody's got to come back. Well, that we saw that was some large companies that didn't work because no one likes a mandate. And then there's social media kicks in, right? And you hear, well, everybody's going to leave, right? The, the mass exodus. Well, that didn't really happen, right? 
They said, everybody, no one's coming back to Newark. No one's coming back to Chicago. You know, they're great cities. Of course, people are <laughs> coming back to New York and Chicago. And so I think there was a lot of hype that if you don't let people work from home all the time, they're going to leave. Well, to me, the reality is no one knows the answer. And I don't even like the word hybrid. You know, our head of marketing, he came up with the term work where work gets done best. And some days that could be the office. Some days it could be a client site. It could be a coffee shop. It could be your home. I do believe we're better off with people in the office more time, more of the time than not in the office. For the reason that it's very hard to build culture, unless you're a consulting firm or a pure technology. I believe it's hard to build culture. I believe it's hard to onboard people, to train, to mentor, to develop people if you're not together, right? Those serendipitous interactions, those collisions, you know, you see somebody say, oh, hey, I'm glad I saw you. I was thinking about something over the weekend. That That's lost when you're all at home. And so now at Continental, we have people that might come in, maybe they come in nine o'clock because they do email in the morning and take care of stuff and get their kids, you know, off to school. And then maybe they have to leave a little earlier, but maybe they're back on email at eight o'clock. And so to me, it's, setting clear expectations. And if our teams deliver the right outcomes, I, I kind of joke, but I don't really care when, where, or how people work, as long as they help us maintain culture, take care of each other, take care of clients, and um, do what we need them to do. And we probably have 70% of our people in the office at any given time. Monday and Fridays are a little light, which I think is probably going to continue. But I truly believe we need the office to connect and and to to co-create and develop ideas and but if the office is like it was pre-pandemic i think you're in big trouble because no one wants to come back to that so the office needs to look more like the home you have to have a lot of variety and phone booths and soft seating and places where people if they're having a bad day or they want to meditate or they want to have lunch they can just get away from everybody because we need that time. And so that to me is is the biggest shift. And I think it's going to keep shifting is variety in space and making it more inviting. That's how you're going to recruit and retain people. Well, let's pull out your old plus minus sheet, okay? And yeah. let's talk about the pros and cons of this philosophy of, um, and, and you probably could say it again better than I can, that you're a marketing director. What, what was the saying again? Yeah, Brian, he said, work where work gets done best. And um, I love that. What are the pros and cons of that from a culture standpoint, uh, implementing so, that as a policy? Because that it feels very much that that's the direction. What are the pros and cons? So I'm a, I'm a very positive person, but I'm gonna start with the cons. The cons are, if you don't have accountability, and your leaders don't lead, people take that as I can just work at home all the time because that's where I think I do my best work. But if that negatively impacts your team, you know, we put a caveat that you have to take care of your team, you have to take care of your client. And so I think the biggest negative is if you let people work wherever they want all the time, um, some may not come in. Um, I think another Negative is if you don't have the accountability and really measure, um, because I think 
data analytics are important as well. You have to keep listen, you know, asking the questions and listening to what's working well. Um, you could redesign your office um, so that it doesn't meet the needs of your associates. You might have too many individual workstations. You might not have enough, um, you know, private spaces or collaborative areas. So most people are going to end up redesigning whether they're going to keep the same space or whether they're going to uh, reduce their footprint. And you have to, you have to tap in to how everybody wants to work and, and what their needs are. It could be technology needs, some of it's space, but every group, a finance department is going to have different needs than a design department, uh, than an engineering department, than HR or finance. So you have to really dig deep. And if you make, I think another negative is if you make assumptions, I know what my, my folks need, I, I think you're in big trouble. Now, now the pros are, I think you show that you are listening, that you care about your people, that you care about their wellness, um, but that it's also important for them to be in because you wanna help develop them. And if it's just the young people in, because they want to be developed and the older people are working at home, then they can't develop each other. So everybody's really got to be in. And you know, we started something about a year ago. We call it, we call them full house days. Um, not because we like gambling, um, but uh, full house days are everybody's invited in, but, but we're careful with the semantics. You're not required. You're not forced to be in, you're invited to come in and we might have a food truck or beer tasting or, a guest speaker, but we do some fun things. And then our leaders usually will have different meetings and so forth. So we try to program it a little bit, but what we're finding is people really enjoy that. Now it's just once a month, but there's other, you know, throughout the month, there's other reasons to come in. Um, but I think you got to get creative. You can't just use what you did before the pandemic. Okay. I like that. Um, so now we're creating uh, a new type of leader, which is a, a leader best suited for uh, work where, you know, the, I can't get this saying. Work, 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 work where work gets done best. Yeah. Work where work gets done best. Tell, yeah. uh, you said Brian or Brandon? Brian. Brian. Brian, he's going to need to dumb it down for me. Okay. Let's yeah. keep refining that saying just for Elio, yeah. but I like it. I get the the point. But with new evolutions in business, it, it necessitates an evolution in leadership. Yes. It sounds like this is something that you're implementing, but I'm guessing pre-pandemic, that wasn't necessarily on your IRA development list. You had to evolve with this. So what are the characteristics of a leader that thrives? in this type of environment? Because I feel very much like when people hear this, at least initially, it was either I'm great at managing in office or great at managing remote. This kind of in-between thing, I'm not so sure about. What are the characteristics of a leader that thrives in that kind of environment? Yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, it was scary too, you know, navigating that. But I think to me, the characteristics are you have to be a great listener. You have to listen to what people are telling you. Doesn't mean they get to do whatever they want, but you gotta, you gotta really listen. You have to have empathy. Um, I think you know in the past it's like, well, they don't, 
you know, they're not doing a good job. They're not productive. Well, maybe there's something going on. You know, maybe they've got personal issues. So I think more empathy, um, being responsive. That's something that we really drive home with our leaders, really all of our associates. Um, if you have someone that's working outside of the office for a few days and they reach out to you and you take two days to get back to them, I mean, you might as well just send them a note say, saying, I don't really care about you. Thanks for being here. Um, so just that speed of getting back to people and being responsive. Um, it's something that I can do better myself, but I, I try to respond. Even if the response is, hey, I'm in a meeting, I got I got your message, I'll call you tonight, or is, you know, after dinner, okay, whatever it might be. Uh, so kind of along with that, just being available, being available to talk. Um, I've always believed that anybody we, we bring on um, to Continental Office, that it's a 50-50 partnership, 50%, you got to raise your hand and say, hey, there's things I need or things I've noticed or other things I'd like to be doing. And 50%, we, we got to be in tune and give you the right tools and help develop you. And I think that's never been more prevalent than now. And so I think those are the aspects. I mean, you have to be functionally competent and, you know, have other leadership skills. But I again, I go back to focusing on the outcomes. I, I think the wrong measure is productivity. Like, was she here for nine hours? Was her butt in the seat? Who cares, right? She could have been sitting there asleep. You know, it's what are people producing in terms of outcomes? What are they delivering? And if they take care of clients, take care of each other, great things happen. It's no different than sports, right? You know, you, you know your assignment, you, you understand what the team's doing. Um, you don't fumble the ball, thing, good things happen. Yeah, and that that fundamental trust, I believe, is a two way street. Uh, and yes, I think the employer goes first. Am I right or wrong about that? I think so. I think that trust, transparency. Sometimes, you know, I'll be in front of our company or other leaders and say, "Hey, we can't share this yet, or we don't we don't know the answer to this." But I think that trust, transparency, honesty, uh, the company, the leaders have to go first. They have to set the tone and. And then it, I think it needs to be reciprocated. And, you know, listen, there's companies that we don't work with as much anymore because um, they don't treat us the right way or, or they're not, they're not, they won't share information with us. And it makes, it makes things very complicated. And I just, I think because of COVID, I think there are a lot of good things. There were a lot of bad things, you know, um, a lot of people were impacted. There were way too many deaths and I mean, and that's incredibly sad, but I think the good thing that came out of it is I think we're more vulnerable with each other. We share things. Um, I do personally, you know, um, you know, on this podcast, even, you know, and so I, I think being real, right. Bring in your, you know, they say, bring your, bring your whole self, bring your real self every day. And if you're having a bad day, just raise your hand and say that. But um, I want leaders that, have the right behaviors and values. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're feeling this conversation right now, uh, we need you in the comments. Let's have a conversation. Uh, we'll get Ira to engage with the content, uh, comment section uh, yes. of this podcast on whatever social media we're going to post it on. But, uh, the question to you at this point in the podcast, not you, Ira, but the listening audience is, are you developing the skills to thrive as a leader in this new environment? 
Um, are you thinking about the challenges of that? Do you understand kind of what the pros and cons are for you and for your organization and the way you're building culture? All right, folks, while you're thinking about that, we're going to take a break. All right. And while we're on break, you can go ahead and throw it in the comments and we will definitely uh, engage with you. All right. We're going to pay some bills. We'll be right back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by KJK. Tired of the billable hour? KJK has a solution. The KJK GC Advantage program offers businesses comprehensive legal services in the areas of employment, corporate services, real estate, trademark, intellectual property, and estate planning, all for a set monthly fee. KJK serves as their clients' partners in business, not just their lawyers. Along with cost certainty and predictability, the KJK GC Advantage program gives clients peace of mind, knowing their projects will be handled quickly and efficiently, maximizing the return on investment on their legal spend. So don't go it alone. Let KJK help. Learn more by visiting KJK.com. 614 Startups Nation, I know you were busy in the comment section, and I'm, I know you're probably enjoying this conversation as we're engaging with you and answering your questions. But Ira, um, I want to know, and the audience wants to know as well, what's next for Continental Office as we move forward in this new world of work? Yeah, I think it's continuing to focus on providing experiential support for our clients. Um, you know, we're really, we're more of a solutions company than products. And so I think staying ahead of the curve, you know, we do a lot of research. Um, you know, we try to stay relevant. Um, our services business, um, we're going to continue to grow it because I think there's a lot of companies that we can help. Um, like I said earlier, as they look at resizing and creating different spaces, it's not all about new furniture or new flooring. Um, and I think it's working with companies and organizations because we do work with a lot of community organizations and have a lot of business partnerships um, that appreciate value and value us and and likewise we value them and i think lastly it's just continuing to add great people um there's a lot of talent in, in columbus central ohio so um we we need you <laughs> we 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 need more great people and so uh that's uh that's what we're going to keep doing Fantastic. Well, um, so much so that I, and you know, kind of we're in beta right now and we might have launched by the time this comes out, we're launching uh, Columbus Startup Jobs, right? Powered by the 614 Startups Network. So trying to, um, as tech has experienced a lot of downsizing, I mean, I watch my fair amount of CNBC and one of the things they, they've been praising one of these large companies, they're friends of ours, so we won't call their name, is how efficiently they scaled back. Well, what that means is that there are a lot of people looking for work in central Ohio, and we want to make it easy to do that. So that's coming soon. Um, but Ira, one piece of advice for uh, entrepreneurs that are earlier in their um, entrepreneurial journey than you, what would you say to somebody who's uh, up? And you know, the number one I would say, because, you know, I, I didn't realize at the time, but I do now is embrace your failures, lean in. You know, you, you learn from a lot of mistakes and it really teaches you what you're made of and diversity and determination and um, it'll prepare you for the next great thing. I know you asked for one, but the other one I would I would say is just don't compromise on your beliefs and your values. Um, even if it means you got to walk away from a piece of business or let someone go. Um, it's a tough thing to do, but I think you got to you got to stay true to 
what you believe in. And um, I guess I'll give a third, which would be don't win at all costs. You know, it's relationships are long term and two way. And um, yeah, don't 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 try to, you know, sneak one in on someone or, um, you know, nickel and dime. It just it comes back to haunt you. So um, that's that's what I would suggest. Wow. Um, three that we could probably spend a whole episode <laughs> exploring uh, individually. And I definitely want to um, maybe figure out how we could do have some conversations with the broader community about how to lead through this transition in the world of work. So we will definitely either on a podcast or in person um, continue this conversation. But Ira, thank you so much for being on the show. I end every episode with my one takeaway and it's hard to kind of end it. Right. But I think the one yeah. that resonates with me most is about the importance of relationships. Um, early on in the podcast, I thought I was just doing a podcast, but really what it turned out to be was I was having in some cases, the first conversation of a long-term relationship. And I, it took me four and a half years to realize that. And my life is so much more enriched by the realization that this is hopefully one of many. Yes. Well, I, I really appreciated it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're at the end of the day. That's, that's all we have is relationships. That's right. All right, Ira, thank you for being on the show. And folks, 614 Startups Nation, it's not lost on me. I want to have a relationship with you, too. You see how I talk to you during the show as well? <laughs> So communicate with us, hit us up in the email. Don't hesitate to reach out if I can help or Ira can help. Ira, are you active on any social media? Where people uh, primarily, primary LinkedIn and Twitter, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm at Ira Sharfin. So uh, pretty easy. And my LinkedIn profile, I think I'm on the only Ira Sharfin. So uh, yeah, happy to connect. Yeah, hit him up. Tell him 614 Startup sent you. Until next time, peace. That's a wrap, folks. You can find this in all our episodes on our website, 614startups.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review. If you'd like updates sent directly to your inbox, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter on the website. To engage in the 614 Startups community, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 614 Startups on all platforms and join the conversation. For sponsorship opportunities and collaborations, email us at info at 614startups.com.